What we doing it for? We doing it for the culture. For the culture. For the culture. What's up? What's up? What's up? Good morning. Good afternoon. And to some, good evening. Um, happy Monday, y'all. It is Christmas Eve. Dang. Dick the holes. I don't even know the motherfucking song. Welcome to episode 19 for the Cultures Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Bex Bumble. What it do, Kaipo? What it be, Moy B? <laughs> what it be, though, Tepilo? This your host, D-Boy. Oh, man, and we are excited uh, to tap in with y'all on Christmas Eve. Word, Dang. word. Happy holidays. That's if some of y'all are working. I mean, if you guys are listening, you know, wake just up in the morning with your coffee. Got to go to work still. If so, man, I got to work. I'm working. I took it off. Sheesh, so I'm off today. The suffering. <laughs> it's all good. Anyhow, yeah. Well, you know, big ups to those who are working Christmas Eve. Even know. and even to those who even though may not celebrate Christmas, you know. Right, right, right. We recognize happy, y'all too. Yeah, happy. We holidays. recognize y'all too. Happy holidays. Yeah, but yeah, episode nineteen. We went away from celebrating our twenty. Hey, twentieth <laughs> episode. I'm excited about that. That seems Man, pretty big. It you is. Know? It's huge. 20? I mean, it, it don't seem like a huge deal, but it's a huge deal. We pushing. We pushing through. Yeah. And we're grateful because we could not have done any of this without our listeners. Word. And it was all the, a dream. It was. I know. It was. I would finish the rest, but I'm trying to move forward. But we did that. Anyhow, um, <laughs> yeah, welcome welcome to episode 19, y'all. We are excited to tap in with um, just a continuation in this conversation that we had from our last episode on and Queer Lives. We are going to just Part further... Two. Our discussion in our chop it up section about that, but without further ado, I wanted to kind of just talk to you about our bruh, 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 bruh time. What's going down? <laughs> What's your bruh this week? Man, Bex? my bruh this week is pretty good. You know, I feel like uh, way more energized than uh, ever than last week. Uh, my workout has been pretty much on point. Shout out to Bex Bumble. Thank you. Pat <laughs> uh, uh, yourself on the, I do, on now, the shoulder. You know, pop I'm, your collar I'm one going time. from 30 minutes you know, a day to like an hour now. I'm pushing because I'm, I'm starting to get a feel of Word. just you know, what I need to do. But I'm eating better as well. Getting more sleep, you know, and I'm just trying to have that good balance. So, yeah. But life has still been hard, you know. We guys, I still got some shit that I go through, right, Danny boy? <laughs> <laughs> like what? Like what? <laughs> nah. nah. <laughs> we say that for off air. But, yeah, um, you know, it's been good, pretty good. I'm really excited to see uh, where I venture off in my workout um, health wealth journey and um yeah on that glow been, up on that glow yeah, up you journey know, i'm trying to get this glow up you know 2019 is about to look fabulous and you know we're hoping for an amazing 2019 physically at least but yeah i love it i love it's it what i hear gucci, gucci. what i hear is you got this whole balance you know this <laughs> I, I didn't i don't got it down yet but it's happening though yeah, right but there it, is a rhythm yeah there's definitely a progression from yeah. where you were before all this right yeah and, you know, if we know anything, that it's when you have physical activity, when you're doing a a, um, a certain regimen yeah, consistently, yeah. right? Yeah. Like yeah. Absolutely. Paying attention to your physical health as well as your mental health. Man. Getting your sleep. Importante. Uh, and then just your, you know, health, like in terms of your diet and eating, you know, with all of those yeah. things being focused on. And finding right. the uh, the equilibrium and all of them, right? You just I that's know. what brings this harmony, this balance. That and I think my good sleep is coming from the eating good and the work, you Word. know, the taking care of my body. You know, I feel yeah. like that has really made a huge impact in that 
in that area as far as sleep. So shout out to my sleep, man. You're doing good. I'm proud of you, sleep. Pop your collar one more Pop time. Pop your collar, sleep vex. Yeah, there you go. How about you, bro? Bruh. <laughs> what I do. Kaipu. <laughs> My brother, this week, you know, it's a it's a plus and a minus, more so a minus. Damn, um, you know, this is a really interesting week that I had last week, where um, in you know, in the setting in which we both work, right, San Mateo County, yeah. uh, I went to this training that was a pilot training um, that they're looking to roll out for everyone, you know, in the in the county, um, but we're having this conversation about race. Oh. Right. As county employees. Yeah. Um, and it's and for some, it's, a, you know, it's an introduction for them. Right. For some, it's really or no, not even for some. For most, it's really uncomfortable. Uh. Right. But I think it's definitely appreciated and definitely necessary and needed, mm. you know, um, because it just always gets really interesting when white folks talk about race. Mm. Right. There's a lot of white splaining that happens. Um, You know, folks want to be human versus judged by the color of their skin. Right. Yeah. And I mean, overall, it's just, you know, it's important that we're having that discussion. Um, Mm. Because did you know, Bex, that in San Mateo County, uh, the majority of folks living in, in this county or in that county are people of color? I did not know that. Yeah. So San Mateo County is majority. People of color or POC um, at sixty-two percent. Wow! Right, and we serve. We that's the population that we serve is mostly people of color, right? The other mm-hmm. what uh, 30 percent yeah. is white, mm. and it's just a trip, right? It's right. a trip to think that the majority. You would think the majority was Balangi, right? Um, but but it's but it's not. But even though the majority of folks that live in San Mateo County are POC, right? The majority of county workers mm. are white, mm. right? And so there's there's always just been this. There's always a rocky relationship with you know people of color, right? Um, and the county because it's gov- because it's connected to government, right? Mm. And and you know they're supposed to serve. And protect the people and have all these resources yeah, available yeah, yeah, to yeah. folks, but yet, you know, a lot of folks aren't uh, privy to what's out there, right, or there's yeah. there's not, they don't understand English, and so there's like the English, um, there's the language barrier, right? Yeah, you know, there's the cultural barriers, folks mm. not understanding different cultures, and so really just having this conversation around race. You know, it's definitely necessary. Oh my gosh. And even though even though this, you know, San Mateo County is majority POC, mm. it's still a very conservative uh county. County, right, yeah. You would think it'd be more progressive, but no. <laughs> <laughs> and so this talk around race, you know, um it, it, I don't know, it, it it excites me, but it also is very annoying. Mm. Um, just because even in this, even in the training that I was in, um, you know, it's a chance for, for white folks to learn about, about race, you know, and the history of race within this country and how, uh, all these different immigrants, you know, migrated to this country to chase the American dream. Right. Right. Uh, cause even, you know, like Irish folks and Italian folks, 
you know, once also were uh, once marginalized. Right, yeah. Um, and then down the line became where they were, you know, a box that they would just check white. Right, yeah. Right, and then we learned about this history of there was like a some Asian folks and even South Asian folks, you know, who came to this, who migrated to this country, worked in this country, and wanted to, uh, when filling out those those demographic papers, they yeah. wanted to be able to check white, right? Because to check white meant you had more resources. Mm. You were afforded more things. And there was like all this, um, they went to court and everything and really tried to fight. Um, I think even Latino folks too. There was a There was a story in the documentary that we watched where there was a Latino fam, uh, man who also wanted to do the same thing and ended up taking his life because he wasn't able to. Right, Right, yeah. and so just really learning this complex history about race, you know, <clears throat> as county workers and how uh, essentially we, <clears throat> you know, have to do the work within, not, right. with, not within our um, departments, not within, I mean, well, not yeah, we do have to do it in our departments, but where we have to start first is ourselves. Ourselves, right. right? Like that's right. essentially what came from the training. Wow. But but yeah, like just being able to talk about this in, in the county setting <clears throat> was you know, it's like being in it was like being in college class. Mm. But with hella different ass people, people who have different experiences. Um, there was one woman who was talking about it was a white woman. She was like, I don't want to be judged because of the color of my skin. You know, I don't like to check off that I'm Caucasian, right? That's that's something that's made up, which is true, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but so are all, you know, these other races, right? Like, nowhere else are we, you know, counting off that we're, people are Asian or right, Pacific yeah. Islander or whatever, right? You are from the country you're, you know, you're from. Right, right, right. Anyways. So for her to say that, you know, it was just kind of irritating because it was like, yo, but as a white woman, you have the you have the the freedom to be able to feel like you can not have to do that. Right. 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 Whereas people of color. Right. Like we have to we constantly um, have to think about the color of our skin. Right. Yeah. And other and other contributing factors to how we navigate this world. Right. 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 And not to say that she doesn't have to think about those other factors, too, but just, you know, with with not wanting to be judged by the color of her skin. Right. Nobody Mm. does. Right. Nobody does. Um, But she's afforded a different privilege than many others. Sad but true. <sighs> but see, you know, like, nonetheless, it was really good to have that conversation um, because it needs to happen in that space, right? Like, wow. <clears throat> we are serving people from different communities, and especially if the majority of county workers are white, right? Like, the, the community is not seeing themselves reflected and therefore not mm-hmm. going to feel like these services um, and these resources are for them. Right. Right? Yeah. So all of that, all of that <laughs> to say like, damn, it was cool to have that conversation in the workplace. And hopefully we can continue to be better because it really starts with us checking our own shit. Right. right? Like even for me, I checked my own shit, too. About, right. Right. About the hatred I was taught at home. Mm. Right. Towards black people, towards Latino people, Asian, uh, Middle Eastern, wh- what have you. You know, and then in <clears> turn, <throat> even thinking about how I, you know, I had hatred towards my own people. 
Right, right. You know, which then also that means that turns into self-hate. You know, and all of that is just a, is just the, the hope and the dream and the goal of white supremacy is to, you know, have folks, you know, be split and divide and, you know, hate each other, hate themselves and destroy each other so that they don't have to be the ones to do it anymore. Sheesh. But something that really pissed me off, so I'm getting hella, you know, I, I just there we go again. <laughs> I get what into this now, shit. Danny I'm boy. passionate about this shit, but this shit is fucked up. I just I read this story last week. It was um, I don't know if you heard about it. It was about this uh, wrestler. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You read that story? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in case y'all listeners didn't hear this story, I'm pretty sure you did. But we're gonna talk about it here on for the cultures. Um, this high school student uh, who's a wrestler. His name is Andrew Johnson. He was made to cut his dreads or forfeit um, a game, right, by the referee. And the referee's name is Alan Mahoney, who was who was also known for being racist and yet still a referee, right, still able to referee um, wrestling matches. Mm. So I heard about this story via Twitter. Um, I believe it was D-Ray who retweeted the story that came from <clears throat> um, Mike Frankel. Mm. Mike Frankel is a sports director of South New Jersey Today News. Right. And he tweeted that what Andrew Johnson did is the epitome of a team player. Right. And pff, they they went in. Right. Everybody's going in talking about how that that is far from being the epitome of a team player. Like that whole situation was fucked up because did you did you read? Uh, did you see the video about how uh, he just decided to cut the dreads, and that lady came with them big ass scissors <clears throat> on the mats, right? On yeah. the mats, yeah. And fucking cut his damn dreads. Yeah. The referee said he couldn't. He couldn't. Um, first of all, he couldn't wrestle if he didn't cut his dreads. He couldn't even cover it with a cap. Mm-hmm. Right. He had to cut him or forfeit the match. And so he's, first of all, he's pushed into a corner to yeah. make this quick decision. Yeah. Right. And and what it would mean for everyone if he didn't take that, if he, you know. And I'm watching the video right now. I, I actually, I got to watch this video earlier today. Everyone was reposting this video on Instagram. It's yeah. Crazy. And, on, and on Facebook, bro. Like, oh, on Facebook? Yeah. I, I read it uh, on Twitter, but like even for Mike Frankel to be like, this is the epitome of being a team player. Nah, that's not the epitome of being a team player. That's the epitome of white supremacy. Mm. To force him to cut his dreads or forfeit the game? Really? That shit symbolizes the oppression, right? Mm. That fuck shit that he has to face every day in this country, in the motherfucking United States, just for being a black man. Old man, uh, bro, posted something, uh, posted this under the video he said this is exactly how slave traders would cut african hair africans hair when they arrived the europeans described the african locked hair as dreadful mm. it should be noted the ref has already har- had his ass whooped for calling someone a n-word word wow and that's happened in atlantic city new jersey that is crazy and this is 2018. Oh, we are in 2018, yo. 
And I'm glad that you I'm glad that you read that. I also wanted to um quote something that a friend of mine posted um in in addressing this story, right? Right, right. Um uh, my phone my phone. My friend wrote quote Y'all don't get it. This is the American tradition. Humiliation of black men, castration of black men, literal and figurative. Our natural hair is a source of pride in self many of us struggle to ever grow comfortable with. Our hair is personal and political. For centuries, we have been told to cover it, tame it, straighten it, unravel it, unadorn it, cut it, and professionalize it. Mm. That is also the American tradition. It is disgusting, it is racist, and it is a big deal. I am so sorry for this young boy and his very public racialized humiliation. Uh, end quote from my friend Quinn. Wow. And she and she has dreads. And her, her son, her young son, also is growing his dreads. You know, and just to... Just to hear, like, just to even hear what she had to say about humiliation, right? Like, right. like that poor boy, when you see the video, you see how... His head is down. His head is down, how, humi- how humiliated he feels. Yeah. And who knows what, what's, co- what's, what's, what's going ha- on. What's going on for him right there. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, psychologically, like... Sheesh. That shit is traumatizing, triggering, re-triggering, you know, like... Like I said, he got to face this shit every day. He's a black man in America. not even given time to process, to no. make that decision. Nothing. It's no. just like, we got to make the decision for you. Just go along with it. Deprocess later. And, and you know, what's even, what's even more, I don't know, just like nails into this, you know, into this story against the chalkboard is the fact that, like, there's a... I think it's his coach that's talking to him, right? And it's like a, oh, yeah, it's a yeah, white man yeah, yeah. talking to him, probably giving him a pep talk about like, you know, doing this for the team and da da da. And then the the woman who comes and chops the dreads off is is a, a white woman. I don't know if she's from the team right. or whatever, but like, it is this public like like she said, like Quinn said, this public humiliation of this young man being forced to cut a piece of his identity off on the fucking wrestling mat. It's crazy, <clears throat> and not and not to take away from uh, Andrew's, you know Andrew's uh, story, and this whole fucking situation, but you know thinking about how we, how uh, just this whole week, you know, uh, last week talking about race, you know, in, in in the work in the workplace and in the community and how we serve, you know, um, how we serve our people, how we serve our folks. Thinking about what happened to Andrew makes me think about also what we were talking about in the book, The Samoan Queer Lives, and how there's a, so much history connected to us as Samoan people and Samoan queer people, right? And thinking about mm. how pre-missionization <clears throat> of Samoa, how men wore their hair long and women wore their hair short. Mm. And then the missionaries come and force our ancestors to wear their hair the way they seen fit. Mm. Right, 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 right. Because uh, they they mentioned that in the book somewhere, and you know, just this, just this, just thinking about that, right, and about how you know Samoan women take so much pride in their hair, right, and right. because it's connected <clears throat> to the Bible, mm. right, like that's not the way that our 
that our ancestors, you know, was living pre pre missionization, right? Like according to folks and and you know, creation stories and all these other things, right? Like the man had long hair. It was a sign of something. Right. You know, and, and the woman wore their hair short. Yeah. And just thinking about how political and prideful it is to have hair in our community, right? right like it's yeah. it's very <clears throat> it's not it's not the same it's not the same thing, but it's very connected to uh brother, you know, the story that happened to this young brother, Andrew Johnson. So um, that's just just some fuck shit, man. Like you know, just thinking about race, you know, and uh, just the history of people of color, and even thinking about like, just thinking about hair. <clears throat> you know, like it's so it's so wild how there's so many intersecting pieces to these stories, mm-hmm. and that's just some fuck shit I wanted to talk <clears throat> about. They're in this bruh section, man, because that <laughs> shit is, you know, it's like, bruh, really? It is 2018. Bruh, just really quick, just even that, seeing his two homeboys in the back, the two brothers in the back, just they're the only ones sitting. They're just looking at his teeth. His... They probably shocked, too. Like, they're what shocked. the Look, fuck? If you, if, if you watch the video, their head is down. They're just like, man, this is the shit we deal with. It, you can just... Feed off of the energy through that through that video. And you, I'm sorry, but you see this white bitch right here. Like <laughs> she had no fucking, uh, she had no problem going and chopping that shit off real quick. You <clears> see <throat> the video? You see how she was chopping that shit off? Man, I, I gotta watch this. Man, someone send the whole video. I want to even watch this whole thing. <clears throat> that, that, even though, oh, even sheesh. though, even though, I'm gonna just say real quick. That was that was fucked up me to. That was fucked up of me to call her a bitch. Yeah. Um, Come on, it's Christmas Eve. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna sugarcoat oh, shit geez. like it's all honky dory, you know. <laughs> There's still people out there and we ain't got fucking no, I, I feel the it. basic necessities to live, you know. We still got young uh, women and children yeah. being gassed at the fucking border and, you know, in the in these uh Fucking, uh, what are those things that got them held in? You know, like the, uh, fuck. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Bro, what about, um, the videos that you posted on it, on our, our Instagram, though? Yo. Bruh. Nah, it was a real. Did you get some pretty intense feedback? I did. <clears throat> you know, and I want to, thank you for bringing that yeah. up, Bex. Like, just shout out to everybody who. Yes. Uh, contributed to the conversation we were having on Instagram about the 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 video from Tonga that we were talking about um, from the you know the uh, the folks who were having church and you know we were just asking folks um, you know if they felt like the Holy Spirit was moving in that place or if they felt like it was a, it's hoax. a hoax. And I also just want to um, acknowledge the <clears throat> fact that the way that that question was framed was very limiting right mm-hmm. and and so uh we i just want to apologize for that um but also to say that it garnered a lot of great conversation from folks with different yeah. experiences a lot of folks felt like it was a hoax some w- felt like they believe it's true but it it you know it 
could be a hoax. Yeah. Some folks believe that it was it's according the, to the, what you believe. The Holy Spirit moving yeah. in that place. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that's what came up is that like it really, you know, is up to folks to yeah. determine, you know, for themselves. Yes, we can have our opinions and we all have valid experiences, right? Like one folk, uh, one person reached out to us through the uh, DM, didn't even, you know, <clears throat> answer the question on the um, IG story, oh. but just shared an experience that um, she had about how, you know, going up to the altar and everybody was like falling, you know, <laughs> next yeah, to her. Yeah. And then when the fight out came and like... Um, put his hands on her and then he expected her to fall. She didn't fall and he did it again and she still didn't fall. And then she said he uh, whispered to her in Samoan to fall down. Oh. And it, and from that moment, she oh, was man. just like, now yeah. you stage everything? Right. Dang. <laughs> and she was, and, she, and, and um, I, I think there was another guy who had a similar experience. I can't, I can't remember if it was um, one or the other, but, Basically, folks were appreciative of having this conversation, too, because it made them think back to mm. that time and how it felt for them. And, you know, right. I, I think our goal is always to get the conversation right, going, yeah. whether we are on um, the same side or we're on opposing sides. Right. It's to hear each other out yeah. and really gain understanding, not to be like, oh, I'm right, you're wrong, and this is how it is, and that's how it's going to be. Nah, we want to hear from y'all. You know what right, I mean? Yeah, we yeah. want us. We want to learn as well. Yeah. You know, we. This is definitely a reciprocal kind of thing. Like when we chopping it up and when we, you know, having a podcast, we <laughs> want to engage with y'all. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. S- Sorry, sis. I feel like I just took up like all the air <laughs> in the room. I'm gonna shut the fuck up. Breathe, breathe, breathe. All right. So my ICU goes to um, four people in this book that we are covering uh, this episode again. Uh, In the Samoan Queer Lives book, um, there is a page in here that's um, paying homage to four out of the 14 uh, people in the stories. Um, But their names are Siobhan Solipo, Kayo Mutai. And Tuilangi, Seuli, Ailani, Allen, Alovai, and Mamea, Eletino, Ma Ailopa. And the last one is, see, you guys got to excuse my Samoan, but it's um, Totoali'i, Roger Stanley. Did I get that right, Danny Boy? Yeah. Anyhow, those are just four names uh, of the characters in this book. They have stories in here that are pretty awesome. I think I've only read three out of four of those stories, but they had, uh, they are past. They have gone to be just in a better place, and uh, we just want to recognize them and say, I see you. We are thankful for the stories and the experience that you guys were able to share before leaving this earth. And there is just so many experiences that I am grateful that you guys left behind that I can literally just sit here and say, wow. Like, I wasn't alone in that situation. So, yeah, to the four that I named, I don't want to say it again because I'll butcher it. I was <laughs> grateful to say it right the first time. But, yes, to Siobhan, to Ilangi, Mamea, and Totoali'i, I see you. Word, word. I, I also just want to piggyback and highlight their their autobiographies in this in this text, in this, in this book. It's really important that 
even though they've passed on, that we have the we have the gift, right? We have the pleasure of being able to read their stories. Right. Um, so, yeah, just an honor to be able to recognize them and say that we see them. Um, your their memory lives on through through this text. So, thank you. And my ICU <sighs> for this week, uh, it goes out to none other than a young. Uh, a young woman by the name of Kiana Tofinga. Mm. Um, Kiana is very passionate about us as Pacific Islanders reclaiming our health. Um, a goal of hers is to work with our community to decrease the amount of deaths, obesity, and diabetes claim in our community. Mm. Um, so she is uh, currently working as a trainer um, at a gym in Menlo Park, but she's also doing personal training. Okay. Um, definitely hit her up, uh, follow her on IG, um, at Kiana Tofinga and that's K-E-A-N-N-A-T-O-F-I-G-A. Go out and follow her on IG, check out her work, check out what she's doing, check out what she believes in. Um, don't be sending her no bullshit now, you know (laughs) what I mean? Uh, definitely hit her up and just, you know, I want to highlight her because I really believe in what she's doing. She's a young Pacific Islander, Samoan woman who really cares about our community, wants our community to live, and is doing something about it by, um, you know, just being being someone who can really help yeah. folks, you know, uh, get healthier. Um, and also, I also want to shout her out because I've reached out to her and am going to have her um, be uh, my personal trainer. Okay. And you know, you know, with you know, the community, I know it's cliche and it's stereotypical, but it's it's a stereotype that is kind of you know it's true. We found out that we family, you know. Um, oh my gosh. Um, but I'm not. What try- are the odds? The odds, no. The odds are ever in our favor that we're gonna be related to to somebody down the line, you know, but that's what's up. That's what's up. But yeah, you know, I'm not, even though I found out we're related, I'm not trying to do, you know, do what we do and be like, Oh, okay. So that means I get a discount or, right. or like, I'm gonna do it for free. Cause we have family. Nah, you know, I see this as an investment in her and what she's trying to do right. to be able to, you know, sustain her livelihood. Yeah. And it's also an investment in me. Yeah. Uh, for my health, you know, and also an investment. Come on. Because I got my young niece coming along yeah. with me too, so it's going to be for the both of us. Okay. But what I see also happening here is that, you know, Kiana being a young uh, Samoan woman. Um, in Fitness influencer. Yeah, fitness influencer, you know, like it's really good for my niece to see that, mm-hmm. right? Because she can see herself reflected in it. And we had our first uh, consultation uh, last week. And it was it was just really great, right? Like right off the bat, we got into it. She was she was uh you know chopping it up with my niece and oh wow just to see that you know I was like okay this is whatever it is right, you know we're yeah. gonna make it work but like th- this is this is supposed to be happening right That's now what's right up. as challenging That's as it's up. gonna be you know to get back out there and you know yeah get the get my exercise on. <laughs> That accountability is going to make a I difference. I need that. Yeah. I need that. I yeah. need that. And, you know, especially with, you know, what I shared last week about not not um, partying like I wa- once was, you know, a lot of the money that I was putting towards that 
could definitely be reallocated to mm. to you know yeah my health and in turn also my community you know because I want right. to work with yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's from the community. That's um, what's up. And her and her, you know, her vision and her goals like she has that shit defined. She has community in mind like that. I can stand behind that. Yeah, yeah. I want to say something about that real quick too, because you know people are always like. <laughs> Yeah, you, you know, like we got we got oh, Pacific man. Islanders doing this, or we got Pacific Islanders doing that. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, we always hating on our community. We can't ever have shit because we always hating on each other. Mm. Mm. Okay, I feel like that <laughs> is true, right? Mm. But I also feel like just because somebody's Pacific Islander don't mean that I'm gonna stand behind them, right? Like I'm gonna stand behind them, but I'm gonna hold them to a a higher standard. Mm. on shit right so i can support our people mm. but if you what you serving up ain't ain't cool it ain't good and it's all self-indulgent you know what i mean yeah, then yeah. it's like i'm not fucking with it right. i don't care if you're running for and you know, i don't care if you're running for a certain uh office or or, or like you know some seat in government you know what yeah, i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or if you're out here you know trying to do fitness with our community or you're trying to work with young people in our community, if you ain't right, mm. and if the mm. if the energy and the vibe don't feel right, mm. I ain't fucking with you. Mm. Mm. Sorry mm. about it. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> there you go. All that to say, Kiana Tofinga, I see you. Bex. Yes. I'm so sorry. I just feel like I'm taking up all the the air in the room. I'm talking too much. Right. Yeah. But. You're so right, you know. <laughs> Suck up all the cold air. It's cold as hell in here. Yeah, I just, Sheesh. you know, um, we we about to chop it up about this book, Samoan Queer Lives, by Dan Talapapa McMullen and Yuki Kihara. Um, last week, we, you know, we were chopping it up about a lot of the things that came up in the forward and in the introduction. Mm. And one of the things that we discussed was sodomy, mm. right? And just listening to the episode back and uh, and also hearing back from some folks, it was brought to my attention that we kind of just glossed over uh, what sodomy really means, right? Like the, right. the punch and the weight that it holds when okay. saying sodomy. And so I wanted us to define it here so that we are working from this place of understanding what... How it was used. How it was used, how it's viewed yeah. um, in regards to homosexuality, okay. right? And so uh, a few definitions, dictionary.com defines sodomy as anal or oral copulation, which is sex, with a member of the opposite sex. Is that right? I don't think that's right. Hmm. Oh, well, it's that and also copulation with a member of the same sex. Mm, okay. But another interesting definition that we have here... Let me pull that shit up. <laughs> so the legal definition of sodomy says that um, it's a crime of oral or anal sexual contact or penetration between persons or of sexual intercourse between a person and an animal, especially mm. the crime of forcing another person to perform oral or anal sex. It's something that's, I don't know, really irritating to me is that that's intense it's that like 
for some reason, homosexuality is always uh, paired with or compared to bestiality, mm-hmm. I believe it is. Um, are you familiar with bestiality? Um, other than it's humans having sex with animals. Right. And it's like, just this, unna- like, basically sodomy is this, is, is viewed as like unnatural. Right. Right. For some reason, I don't know why bestiality is, is connected to homosexuality in the first place, but it really makes, it really makes both parties look or feel sick right Right, like there's something wrong Mm -hmm. and so this this sin that they're talking about is just like the ultimate sin right where like even saying sodomy you just automatically think of homosexuality right and so just really wanting to like share how this this word you know is viewed as like unnatural Right, like that people that people like us are unnatural, mm. and the things that we're doing are, are unnatural, and and gives a lot of reason as to why there is so much hatred and so much discrimination, right, right against yeah. folks who are homosexual because it's viewed as unnatural or compared <clears throat> to something like bestiality. That's intense. I don't know how to I mean, about that. <laughs> how, what does intense mean? What's coming up for you hearing that? I think I think I think what um gives the that whole um homosexual and um sodomy c- connection is the whole anal, the anal um kind of sex part cuz it's anal and oral sex, right? Is is that how it was kind of defined when you were giving the definition? That's how it is defined. Yeah, I I just think that that's just a I don't know just a poor way to just fully say that this is all like this is the description of homosexuality. When anytime there's the word anal and oral, that's homosexuality, and I think that's just like a I don't know. It's it. It's a, <laughs> like, like I mean I'm a, I'm laughing at it because it just seems fucking stupid, but like to put it to put it in in easier terms right is like if you got a dick and you put your dick in somebody's booty hole <laughs> that got a dick that shit is sodomy right sodomy if you have a vagina and you you put your lips on someone else who has a vagina that's sodomy right yeah this is this is the bullshit this is some fuck shit that why we are also hated on that's this is some fuck shit as to why we are also always discriminated on is because whenever folks think about queer, gay, lesbian, trans, bisexual, anything, it's always having to do with sex. Yeah. And never having to do with us as a person, as people. Right? Yeah. Like, and it's because of shit like this. That has conditioned generation after generation to think that everything that we do or stand for is unnatural. Yes. Yeah. It's about sex. And even thinking about like sex as unnatural. Right? Yeah, that's Does, doesn't the Bible disturbing. Doesn't the Bible also say something about like masturbation is sinful or unnatural? I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm asking because I don't I don't know. Pleasure. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are unnatural if we're talking in the context of Old Testament because sodomy was highly common in the old testament practices you know so it's like 
you know, it's it's like a, such a deep conversation that we can get go deeper in with, you know, if we had the right studies, you know, but we didn't have that time to properly study. But this this type of this type of conversation fit the time that was back then in the Old Testament, but it doesn't properly describe Sodom and Gomorrah, like the actual two cities that were described as the cities that lived in, that had, you know, very highly, you know, where homosexuality was practiced, you know, in these two cities. But they were practiced everywhere. And if you look in the Old Testament, they were just really maximized or, yeah, maximized in these two cities. So that's, I mean, there was more sin that was happening there, you know, but homosexuality was just one of the things that was highlighted in the Bible. Uh, but the, but Sodom and Gomorrah doesn't just stand for homosexuality. I don't feel like it's it's a, it's something that's looked down upon. I don't know. I don't know how sodomy and Sodom Gomorrah just it doesn't. I don't know. To me, it doesn't match. So wait, it's not it's not looked down upon in the Bible. It's looked down upon as far as like the people, the people that lived in these cities were resisting like God and what God was trying to promise for the promise that was over the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm. They were just kind of resisting like, fuck that, you know, like I'm trying to live my life. I'm having fun. This is, this is pleasure. You know, we're, you know, they're, they're probably just like, we're living our best life. So this is what we're going to, we only got one life to live. You know, so that's just how the people were living. And although, you know, it just was outside of the norm, you know, the, the biblical covenantal life way of living, which is like a high priest or just holy and, Mm -hmm. It it was looked down upon. So I mean, hmm. I don't know. I don't know how sodomy. That definition. I'm sure that's what, in the context of our book, how people were talking about sodomy. I'm sure that that's what they that was that's what they kept in mind. You know that definition of like. What do you mean? <clears throat> of like, um, just people in this book. That's how they defined it. You no, know, because where did we get that word from? Sodomy. Oh, because, in our discussion last episode. Oh, in our last oh, because uh, Dan talks about yeah, yeah, in the um, introduction, right? Yeah, in the introduction part, just about even the definition of how homosexuality was defined. Like, there's the Tawatani defined as homosexual acts between men. Um, Let's see. The change of meaning in the time between these dictionaries seems to indicate a change in public discourse among Samoans. Under the influence of biblical law, Samoan language changed as well. Mm. In the Tusipa'ia in Corinito, uh, that's Corinthians, right? Where Paul is translated from the King's James English translation. Mm. Tawatane is used at, for effeminate, right? To and receptive lovers are fa'asotoma, which are sodomites, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I believe that's where the, our discussion came, talking about, you know, you talked about Sodom and Gomorrah, and then we were talking about sodomy, um, and we kind of just brushed over it, like. You know, sodomy is like sin. Yeah, just it's sinful. Sin. Yeah, sinful desires, right? Yeah. And the point that I, you know, I'm wanting for us to make here is that sodomy is really used in a negative connotation yeah, to yeah. describe homosexuality. Yeah. Right, and then also pair it, pairing it with bestiality and yeah. these unnatural, unnatural acts. 
these unnatural acts. Yeah. Right. And so which is true. Which which is I mean which is true in context to the Bible. Right, yeah. Right. But may not be true like in folks' actual lives, right? Like Yeah. Like and just you saying about like how this that was the old testament, right? Like right. I feel it, it's very it's very likely that that ideology carried over into the New Testament, right? Because it was the this belief and this understanding and this this way <clears throat> that folks really, you know, viewed mm-hmm. it, homosexual right. homosexuality. Again, this is a conversation that's going to get biblical. I mean, because, let's go. Let's have it. Well, no, because when those, all those, see, when Jesus came, New Testament, now we're talking New Testament, when he came, you know, after, I think it was like, what, 300, 200 years later after everything, uh-huh. uh, when Jesus came here on earth, and this is, again, the Bible, you know, mm-hmm. um, he came t- and he came to become the law. So all the laws that were Old Testament are no longer, they're just gone, broken, because those laws are, again, I don't, I'm not like no scholar at this, but those laws don't exist now because Jesus came to become the law. He broke that. He's now introducing a new law, which is grace and all these other things that benefit the people because it's no longer the condition of works because that's what Old Testament was all about doing things you know doing work 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 and he's and Jesus came and introduced a new law which is all more of a heart condition like the motives of your heart and stuff like that so it was just a lot of changes in that so it's like although that ideology probably did spill over to the New Testament for the most part Jesus came and really tried to shift the the whole Old Testament, and now this is the new thing I'm bringing. What I'm what I'm getting from that is that it's like old school versus new school. Yes, like conservative uh, versus progressive. Yeah, or or liberal, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because if you go again down to the Old Testament, I mean, just a lot of the laws. There's a lot of laws in there that if it spilled over to the New Testament, then there would be a lot. Of, there would be a lot of shit that would be like. What were some of the laws? If you going down Old Testament, what is it? Um, women being on their period. Uh, they said um, they said that there was like a certain amount of time for like. Well, actually, it was on in certain parts of the New Testament that it was uh, there was examples of women being on the period. They had to be set away, set apart. They couldn't be around men. They couldn't be around the village. They couldn't be around anything. There was a lot of. Old Testament rules and restrictions that when Jesus came, he said, no, 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 this is cut. I'm now introducing something different, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's I mean, a lot. It, it makes me think about that, that saying about like Jesus, you know, ain't worried about kicking it with people in the church. He worried about being with people outside of the church, yeah. right? Like, and he pretty folks much. Folks who are everyday sinners, right? Because even exactly. people in the church are sinners. Yes. <laughs> you know. We done talked about it a few times. I feel like Jesus came to simplify simplify things. Really didn't, you know, I don't know. He just brought a different theology that really shifted the religious leaders, again, from what they grew up learning in the old Torah and the books of Moses and all that. So... Well, a lot of this conversation (laughs) that we're talking about, you know, definitely has a lot to... You know, definitely plays a role in a lot of stories uh, from folks who are highlighted in this book. A lot of these autobiographies and 
And, you know, like like you said, right, this conversation could get biblical. Yeah. And it's very, like, a lot of these stories are very connected to the Bible, connected to Christianity, connected to faith and religion, right? And so just us really being able to clear the air and make sure that we're defining yeah the actual punch of this which i'm glad you did word sodomy and and then i feel like there's a lot more too that you know we can get to or we can have you know deeper discussion with folks but we definitely want to dive into some of these stories um because there's a lot of rich knowledge and a lot of rich experiences from our queer folks our Samoan queer folks, right? And so, mm. um, you know, it, it would behoove us to, to to get into it and to chop it up. But before we do, I just want to check, check in with you. Temperature <laughs> gauge. How you doing right now, Bex? Because I know we're getting, uh, we getting heated a little bit with no, no, you know, no, this conversation. Yeah, this conversation is great. It's always good to have different views, you know? Yeah. And I'm again, I'm not a scholar. So, again, make sure that everything I say, you guys go do your homework, you know? <laughs> I mean, we all, everybody's, you know, not everybody's a scholar, but we always right. learn it, right? Yeah, Cause, yeah. Because I know for myself, I feel the same way, right? Yeah. When I talk about film, like, I feel like I don't know everything, even though I'm viewed that I know everything. Right, yeah. Right? And you went, you went to theology school, right? Yeah, you yeah. went to Bible college. And even though for free though, I really didn't walk away with much though. <laughs> but even though you went, you know, you're you're looked at as like, oh well, what does this mean and right, what is that? Yeah. And it's not fair to do that, right? Right, yeah. So, so I, <laughs> so I definitely hear you. I just wanted to check in and make sure yeah, that no, we don't you. leave anything. You know, I got you. Uh, Let's dig in. Anything? Yeah, you know. <laughs> so. I, I'll be honest, I only got I only read like one full story and half of a story, but even being able to do that, it just gave me so much. Mm. You know, and, and I, I do wanna say that like even though I didn't get through every story, there I, I know that there's so much to absorb from each one that each like one. Whether short or long. Yeah, whether short or long is like I gotta sit with it and process it because there are so many things that like I never knew before mm. that I really want to take in. Yeah. But also there's so many things that I can relate to that I want to like just unpack and unfold because I have to I have to dig deep into my memory bank about like, you know, what what's coming up for me when reading this. Right, yeah. And so um I That read, shit happened to me too. Yeah. I had to pause, sit reflect because it took me back to that same place you know as far as uh, just one of the stories that uh, we're probably going to get into with Jean yeah oh man she shout out to Jean shout out to Jean she had a a few moments uh, in her autobiography where I was like wow I sat there and like I was there I know that feeling I know that exact emotion right there I had to pause and sit for a bit because I got to like you know live in that moment for 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 a few and i just thought like was i did i struggle with that or you know mm-hmm. i wonder if it was even a thought during that that age in that time so yeah there's a lot of good um what you you know what we can call selah moments where we just pause and reflect uh, just kind of sit and saturate all the goodies in that little text and definitely yeah. definitely a lot of selah moments you know because you're right there is hella reflection 
a lot. There is hella reflection. And Gene was the, you know, Gene is a story that I read, especially because Gene is a really great friend of mine. Yeah. Um, who I don't, I don't, you know, I didn't know as in depth as I did, or I thought I did, you know, when reading, right. reading her story. And so I was really, you know, just happy to, to dive into her story. Mm. And what's funny is, you know, reading, reading it, I could totally hear her voice saying each and every <laughs> word. This is so, this is so her. Aww. But what's really, uh, what's really dope is that there's so many themes that came up in Jean's story for me. Yeah. Right. Like this theme uh, of assimilation. She talks about assimilation. Right. Yeah. Um, and how like her family came, her her parents came here as um, immigrants to. To America, they didn't come together. Right. They met here, but they yeah. came separately. And just even thinking about like her name is Jean, but so many of her other siblings, you know, have Islander names, right? Mm. She felt like it's gonna be easier, you know, for her to make it because she has she has a easy name versus <laughs> versus like her sister or something like that, right? So this this idea of assimilation, you know, is I feel like is yeah. Is very true to so many of us as Samoan Americans, right? right because yeah. our folks who migrated here had to learn the ways of the new land they're living in, but then that also meant that the generations after them would have to too. Right, yeah. I mean, what were some things that came up for you? <clears throat> well, she spoke a lot about um, faith and her background. I think she mentioned, was it Mormon? She was Mormon uh-huh. background, right? Mm-hmm. Or Christian. Um, and that was just uh, her parents. I think that was her family. That was the faith that they were um, practicing, the uh. Christianity background. And I thought that was a pretty, you know, a common thing. And actually, a lot of the stories, a lot, almost everyone, you know, comes from a Christian-based background. Um, I really liked how she um, just, you know, was in and out with her faith. You know, she struggled with, you know... You know, just that whole idea of, like, I think there was a pamphlet that she read and said that homosexuals go to hell or something. Oh, man. And I remember, I that was a pause moment for me because um, I think that was just, like, you know, again, when I was younger, I've always been curious, but I've never entertained the whole, like, you know, just, you know, same-sex relationship or just... You, you know, were curious in curious to I wonder like, how it would be if I dated another girl or if I even showed interest in the same sex. I wonder how that would be. Is look. that because you were attracted to 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 women? Yeah, I think yeah, definitely. I just couldn't entertain it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was just you know, I remember reading a pamphlet and I just remember like this is no. Immediately see that every every feeling that I had gone. Done. I don't want to go to hell. This is it. I'm just so so that shit scared you. Yeah. Scared you straight. Oh, yeah. It scared me straight. <laughs> you know, I mean, it wasn't like too much of a like a fear again because, you know, I just I felt like my identity discovery journey was kind of like, you know, if 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 I'm not going to go that way, then I'm cool with this way, you know, so yeah. it wasn't too much of a, a struggle. But it was something that really just like, okay, that door will never, ever open that I will never, ever be able to go that route because mm. anyone who goes that way is going to be going to go to hell. And she really just, I don't know. I, I paused right there because I was like, I feel you, girl. That's just, that's just, that will hit you. Right. That was hard. 
I think that was a pause moment for me too, because I knew I knew I had like feelings I didn't understand, mm. right? And I didn't even I didn't even know that it was attraction, right? I think I just admired like mm. you know uh, guys, but I didn't understand in that kind of way, right? Yeah, you know, especially being an adolescent. Mm, yeah. But I, I think where I was exposed to homosexuality was just through, you know, um, family, you know, and and the mistreatment of folks oh. who were deemed as like homosexual. But to hear hear Jean's story about, you know, being given a pamphlet I know that directly addressed addressed <laughs> homosexuality, I believe it said um, homosexuality, oh, you're man. not going to enter the kingdom of God. I just love these pamphlets. It's like, it's not even about like, come to God. He's love. He's laughter. He's joy. It's like Mormons, homosexuality. <laughs> like if you're going to, it's like, damn, you guys are going to go straight to it, huh? But I feel like there's many faiths that, that maybe Point that shit out oh, like yeah. that, and if they ain't putting it in a pamphlet, they definitely putting it in the, in the on sermon, sign. on the sign, in the Sunday school teachings, you know. Right. But 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 to even think that, like, damn, even hearing what you had to say, right? It's like shit. Being able to see a pamphlet like that and read it, it really, it really scared you in a way to where you did you just like let me just. Let me put that, let me suppress that shit. Let me put it to the side because I definitely don't want to go to hell. Right. right. Like, that's Mamie. <laughs> uh, Jean said, I knew clearly when I was young that it didn't matter what I did. I wasn't going to heaven. I thought, I guess I'm going to hell. Right. And understood that, like, by reading that pamphlet, she, she already knew she was different. Right. Yeah. And. You know, I think it within her story, you know, there's, she talks about different ways in which she acted out, right? She was robbing homes. She was drinking. Even her mindset, even her mindset, right? It was just totally centered around like, well, I'm not going to heaven anyway. Let me, let let me do what I want to do. Yeah. Right. It's just like, fuck. She was like, she definitely learned love from a survival you know, like mind world, you mm. know, just environment. She just was all about learning how to survive, and that's how she, I don't know from 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 hearing the story. It just that's how she was able to kind of develop an understanding of love through like how she survived, even with her the seeing the the parent her parents' relationship Word. being exposed to that and domestic violence is big in here right yeah that's something that definitely I noticed a, a big theme mm. in Jean's story was uh, domestic violence right and just how you know the 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 circumstances yeah um I believe she shared uh, that you know how her her dad you know yeah beat her mom a lot um and how. You know, she's seen it as though her mom, as an immigrant, right? Like, there was no way out for her. Right. You know, she didn't have her papers. She came on a work visa. um, And she had no family, right? And so, like, having to endure the domestic violence was just something that she had to do to be able to survive. Right, yeah. And it's so wild. 
I mean, even to think about how the mom came here on a work visa. I know. Right? She shared how the mom, her mom came with a white dude. Yeah. Um, to, I believe, to work as like a... Like a maid. A housekeeper. Yeah, housekeeper. Yeah, housekeeper. Yeah. And what's fucked up is that this Balangi man, you know, uh, yeah. sexually, like tried to sexually assault her, assault her and she ran away. Yeah. <laughs> And that shit, I mean, I'm not laughing at it. I'm just laughing at, like, how this, the audacity, right? Like, this, even that small act, even though it's very big, right? But just this this white man, you know, like, forcing, you know, like, trying to force himself or thinking that it's, you know, it's expected because he brought her here. Right. That she, she, she would, you know, just be okay with sexual advances or whatever right. because she sh- she should be grateful that she's here in this country like that is that fuck shit again <laughs> right not only domestic violence but sexual assault you know gosh manipulation manipulation you know even this a big theme in here in Jean's in Jean's story is the fact that yeah her family she comes from a family of immigrants and english is a barrier, right? Language is a barrier here being in this country. Right, There's yeah. a lot of shame and a lot of embarrassment that's tacked to it. Uh, a strong line uh, that that I read in Jean's story was that her that they lived this facade mm. in the Mormon church. Mm. And not to just, you know, single out the Mormon church, right? I feel like there's so many families in all kind of churches, all denominations. Yes. That's living a facade. Of course. Of course. 100%. 100%. Preach. Talk about it. <laughs> How do I even want to even dive into that little statement that you just made right now? But it's so true. I don't know when it will ever be safe for those closet brothers and sisters out there to just come out. I don't, in the church, you know, the church has really kind of put a huge fear in a lot of like, you know, just the, the young, the younger generation. But I feel like there are a lot of folks that I see, you know, maybe nowadays who, you know, even like, even are Mormon and are queer, right? Like I think open about it. Mm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the the dynamic of it, but it's, I definitely have seen you know um, some of, Mormon. Some of my, yeah, some oh, of my wow. friends, you know, some of my folks who are LDS and are also out. Oh wow! Yeah, so you know, I think again, it's you know circumstantial, but right. And and thinking about Jean's story, right? Yeah. Like this was a time and this was a space where you had to sort of live that mm-hmm. that that facade right like you had to present as this perfect family when in when in re- when reality you know it's all bad right and i don't know you think it you think having like a poverty you know strict you know poverty background and just you know someone who's you know her family didn't really have much doing having the you know kind of just Having a facade was natural because it's like, you know, everything else looks looks wrong, you know, at least in the eyes of them. Like, we're, we come, we live in the hood, and we live in the projects. We don't have much. My family's broken, domestic violence. I'm struggling with my sexuality. Like, at least let's put this facade on, at least to other people. Like, we have our shit together, you know? I mean, 
I think I feel like that's like a no, a common thing in the churches, you know, for a lot of people. I mean, I think even it's it, even you know thinking about their socioeconomic status, right? Yeah. Like, I think even folks who are maybe a little bit well more well off than you know folks who like like Jean and her family back then, right? Like right. folks who may have had more money or folks who were more affluent, right? In the church, I believe they still also put on, like, would put on a facade, right? Because I, that's true. I don't know. You see this that's in true. churches, right? Where like families trying to be better than the next family, or the competition is real in the churches. <laughs> it don't matter what your socioeconomic, especially background if you is. give, you know, if you give the most offering, yeah. you know, they announce it in mm-hmm. front of the church. Meanwhile, right. those who did, who gave their best, whether it wasn't much gets looked down upon because, mm-hmm. you know, you get exposed, oh, you didn't, you never get, you know, your name's never called. That means you don't give much. That means right. you don't. You know, it's like, who does that? And your family is judged based on, like, how much you tie. How much you tie. Fuck oh, shit. Oh, man. <laughs> Fuck shit. I th- uh, w- there was a part in, in her story where she talked about, um, I think it was, like, her dad was getting ready to, or he, he felt like he was going to, Go to jail. There was just some, there was just that feeling that he like he got. I don't know if it was from his mom or from the neighborhood, but oh no, I he, think it was because uh, the, he just um, there he just beat up Jean's mom, mom, and it it got it was really just a bad violent. And yeah, to where you know the community called the cops. And, okay, and he took off, and Jean went with him, and there was a part in that in that little segment where she said that you know she like I guess the dad has always been. I don't know if Jean was the one that the dad would always look for to come with her and the other kids, the mom would always recognize, like, you guys come with me when shit gets goes bad. You guys are with me. Mm-hmm. Jean is with dad. Like, right there at that moment, I remembered. Again, I had a Selah moment where I sat there and paused because, like, it took me back to my childhood where I remembered, like, my parents having a really bad argument. And I remember my dad saying this one statement that just rocked me in a bad way. But he said, you know what? I'm going to take my older three, and you can take the younger three to my mom. And I, I obviously, I'm part of the younger three out of six. And I'm just like, who does that? I was, like, super young during this time. But hearing that, like, because I was like, I looked up to you, Dad. Like, how did you know if I don't want to go with you? Like, why did you? It was just one of those crazy moments. And I felt, you know, G, at, that, at that moment when G said, like, you know, Everyone knew that when my dad is going this way and my mom's going that way, that I go with my dad and the other children go with my mom. Like, I just had a moment right there. I was like, man, is this like a a typical thing that happens in mm. families? Like, when shit goes wrong, if when we separate, you go this and you come with me. I don't know if that's a common thing, but I, when she shared that part in her, in her story, I'm like, damn, that does happen? Sheesh. Mm. I, I mean, it may not, it probably didn't happen to you, but I'm... It's crazy, you know, that type of experience that, you know, parents separate their children already in advance. Like, I already know what I want. You can have this and you can have that. <laughs> right. This, it's crazy. It's wild. I mean, you know, my situation is different because I come from a single parent home. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah, but, yeah. But even dealing with my two parents, right, was... That's a whole other episode. That's a whole other episode. But, but, yeah, I mean, just this... Just how Jean's story is, there's a lot of, um, it's centered around domestic violence. You know, you just really think about how prevalent 
domestic violence is in our community, right? And mm-hmm. how how swept under the rug it is. I mean, even it took me back to, you know, the when we shared the story that came out of New Zealand about, you know, the increase in domestic violence in Samoa is because mm. of Samoans right. turning away from God's ordinances. It's it's like <laughs> there's so there's so <laughs> sorry. You wanted to? Is, is, uh, is that, I know. Uh, fuck shit. Just, fuck man, shit. Man, that's another fuck shit. But but like it made me think about how there there's so many cases of domestic violence that go unreported in our community that like you know women mm. and men you know they'll just stay and they'll you know they'll they'll deal with it and they don't separate right yeah. and and it's it's just it's so wild because i think the automatic thing you want for people to do is to break up break is to up, split yeah. up is to leave but there's so much that is that is so deep in yeah. why things happen this way. Right. Right. Why why there is domestic violence, right? Like thinking yeah. about thinking back to what Kiana was saying about like it's the need for one person to control their partner. Right. Right. To have control of something. To even to see oneself as like alpha mm. and the other as submissive or subordinate, right? And right. and just being on this this trip of like you're the authority. I'm the power. What I say goes. Right. And if not, then it can escalate to something like domestic violence. Right. You know, and just thinking about some of the shit Gene is describing, it makes me think about Once We're Warriors. You know, and we all seen Beth get her ass beat and how traumatizing that was. Right. But how realistic. Yeah. It's just... You know, it's a part of it's a part of Gene's story, um, that I think a lot a lot of folks can relate to, right? In terms of domestic violence, and one thing that I also found interesting that came up in Gene's um, story was how she she really denied her her queer identity. Mm. Right there's there's moments in here that were also say lot moments for me where she talked about you know wanting to pray the gay away mm. you know yeah, and, yeah. and praying to God to just make her a man right she already was so or she, undo her gayness undo her yeah, gayness right yeah. like she was already just so she described herself as a tomboy you right. know always wanted to be around the boys right she described how she hated wearing dresses you know yeah. I have so many family members like that right. It's it's like it, it does seem unnatural, right? I'll do I gave it the air quotes. It seems so unnatural to see them in a dress because it's like, you know, that's not what you want. Yeah. You can totally see how uncomfortable you are. Yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's just but it's so it's so real. Yeah. Because so many people who even question themselves probably think the same thing, right? About praying the gay away. Yeah. Right? She uh, she said that she didn't like being teased or clowned on, you know, as like being the boy, right? Like, right, or being seen as gay, right? And so really praying it away. I don't know that that really that really hit me because it just made me think about like how, you know, 
myself, I, I wanted to suppress a lot of it because of how I was teased and tormented about being feminine or, or being different or even just, you right. know, I, I like when she says she liked being around the boys, I felt more comfortable being around the girls. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I got older where it was like, oh, I could, I could kick it with both, you know, and then I just would be like, oh, I hang out with the girls and the guys. Mm, yeah. You know, I don't know. Did you, did you relate to that? Yeah, I could relate to that. <clears throat> I feel, she also mentioned in the book where she says, um, my understanding of gay and queerness is, it's very hard to explain. Uh-huh. Like, um, you know, that's, that's very, like, I feel like this is something that you and um, Teresa talked about, you know, like about like, you know, like our identity is an ongoing thing, you know, like, you know, we're, we're constantly like removing layers of our identity and we're constantly coming out, you know, and like, I feel like her understanding, I don't know where she's at now with her identity because I think this was what, was this documented eight years? Yeah. Jean said she was <laughs> laughing because this uh, story was, yeah, quite a few years ago. Jeez. Yeah, I would I would love to hear where she's at now as far as like, you know, understanding her identity as a queer woman, but I can definitely hear her. Like even with, you know, praying the gayness out. I've never really necessarily struggled with that prayer. But, you know, again, I came out later, you know? So word, it, it had I, you know, like she this she she dealt with her identity or dealing with I her whole identity at a younger age, you mm. know, early, early age. So that prayer probably would have been a prayer that I would have done like, to, you know, 15 years ago, you know. But I didn't do that because I came out during a time where it was way more acceptable, you know, way more embraced and people and approachable. You know, when I came, I was like, oh, honey, finally come here. Like, hey, let's celebrate. I love all, all, all my gay friends. You got to meet them. You know, it's like it was totally celebrated versus 15 years ago. Do not ever say you're that again. You go. Keep it a secret. Right. Like just or pray or you're going to come church with me now. I'm mean, You're going to sit next to me now on. You're coming home every day. It's like the conversation would have been a lot different. So I just, you know, I give it up to her. And those who who, who can relate to this story about like praying your gayness away. Like, I, I mean, I, a lot. I actually have a lot of friends that have had this experience you know word, like word. they had to they prayed and nothing happened and didn't we watch a movie we watched that movie yeah boy erased yeah boy erased that was a great movie similar situation kind of but yeah i that when she spoke when she talked about my understanding of gay queerness and how it's very hard to explain that one i sat with because it's still something that's hard to explain to, in certain settings it's like it's never an easy conversation for anyone, even for myself, in just kind of understanding like their level of acceptance, yeah, and your level of sharing it, it's just it's different. So, yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot. It's a lot of great things. I appreciate her vulnerability, <coughs> her transparency, her willingness to put herself out there, put her family out there. Like, this is big, and this is really um it's relatable in, in so many areas and geez even another one she's mentioned like i was the leader of the pack i was 11 a lot of it stems from being queer and going to church like i guess i would probably be i mean i don't know if you can relate to that one but i could for sure because i feel like a lot of like the 
kind of like the leader initiator type person that likes to just kind of stand out of the pack. Really, I mean, that was conditioned more from the church, as crazy as it may sound. Like the church helped mold me mm. and mold that voice, you know, and that, you know, that just kind of shaped me to be different and set apart. And I'm grateful for that. And I was like, hey, I can relate to that. I mean, there are a few benefits of the church that I could sit here and say, hey, thank you. Thank you for helping me sh- and shape me and develop a, a leader out of me, you know, because that's great. Or, so that was some good shit. I think, you know, uh, later in her story, she talks about her experience in working for an organization called Debug. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Where she did a lot of uh, media work for and really learned how, you know, I think it was like an organization where they taught youth in the San Jose area how to use media to share their stories, right? And mm. I really love the quote um, that she has uh, when working at Debug, that experience is the ultimate authority, right? Oh, dang. Yeah, um, that's good. And I thought that, that was really dope because it is like lived experience. Come on. It gives it gives us, it gives so much power to the different experiences we've had, right? To yeah. be able to speak to it and talk to it. Most folks feel like, yeah. oh, you, you're not an, you didn't go to school for this. You don't know what you're talking about. Nah, I lived the shit. Right. You know, I lived the shit. And like she, you studied for it. I right. lived it. I right. lived through it. She calls out like, you know, some, some of her folks, like the college kids, she would always laugh at the academics um, because, you know, they looked at her funny, right? Mm. She says that you can't teach the struggle in an institution, right? It's something that you feel. Come on. It's something that you That's experience. Good. And I really appreciate, you know, she talks a lot about her own incarceration and how right. she was just in and out of jail, but she wasn't stupid, you know what I mean? She's very smart. She's an intelligent woman. Very. But something that she learned or walked away with uh, from being incarcerated is that incarcerated women never get the chance to tell their stories because they don't get the same opportunities or have the same resources. Mm. And I just, that really stuck out to me because thinking about how experience is the ultimate authority. Right, yeah. You know, women, again, are at another disadvantage because they're not given these opportunities to share their stories, right, share their experiences. You know, these women that are incarcerated are worried about their kids. Yeah. Worried about their families, you know, even if they hate them or don't care for them. Right, yeah. <sighs> this is what we're saying, y'all. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just, we didn't even get to get to the other stories that we read, but talking about Jean's story, you know, there's every, every, every page, every paragraph, there is so much to unpack because you can relate to it. Mm-hmm. If it hasn't, personally happened to you you know you might have experienced it vicariously through family members or through friends yeah but these stories are so so impactful especially Mm -hmm. because it's from your community you know people from your community if you know if you're Samoan or even Pacific Islander you know or not you know maybe you can relate to these stories too but it just brings me so much joy because I get to hear similar stories, you know, of like, wow, you struggled with that too? Dang. And you overcame it the same way? And like some of, you know, like there's, like Jean's story was like a breakthrough story for me because I was able to, to like 
not feel alone, you know, and mm. not feel alone and like, man, I remember doing that. I remember thinking that. I remember struggling with that by myself. Word. Wow, you dealt with that too? It's like so much connection, you know, and I'm grateful for her transparency and her openness to really allow us to be, you know, to walk through, you know, her life, you know, mm-hmm. emotionally as a queer woman and trying to discover her identity and even later just, you know, just building her character as a woman and what she was exposed to in her environment and her parents. It's like all that she was taking on. She was taking on the domestic violence, the crazy environment, and the struggling of her identity. Like, that's a lot to take on for a young person. <sighs> Sheesh. And Talk being shunned upon. Yeah, and being shunned upon by the church. It's like, she had no support. I mean, I'm assuming she had no support. Or wait, She had her brother. Her brother was awesome. Thank God for her brother. <laughs> <laughs> he was a great support. He was in there, and, and she mentions him. But... Man, I can just, I felt that. I felt that a lot. I felt like, wow, the environment, I mean, I mean, the home, I mean, it wasn't as severe as yours. I mean, yours was intense, but Jean, thank you so much for sharing your story because, I mean, that was like a great encouragement to like myself to kind of feel like, man, I was I'm not alone in this, you know. I, I am a survivor just like you, you know. And yeah. it's just great to hear how people overcome and how people find identity and peace in the midst of such a crazy, chaotic storm. Word. That's intense. Yeah, I really appreciate just the how people's stories can help connect you back to memories that you can identify with their experience. Yeah. You know, I, I want to just uh, highlight really quickly in uh, Siobhan's story, mm. who you, you know, was from your ICU, Siobhan Solipo Kayo Matai. Ooh. Uh, Siobhan talked about how she had a really difficult relationship with her dad, right? He was a very difficult man. Right. Uh, especially because she is a fafafingi. Yeah. Right? Um, she said that her dad... Grew up during the the height of Christianity in Satitoa Alipata, Alipata uh, which is in uh, Upolu, mm. in Samoa, um, and how that really shaped you know his view and and the way he lived his life because Fafa fingers were banned from the village because mm. they had to cut their hair short, right? Mm. All men had to have their hair short, and and all the women. All the women wore their hair long, right? Mm. And this is def- to see that right there. This even just this little piece is connected back to what we was talking about earlier today, right? Um, and just how even this story makes me think about when I was younger. You know, back in the day, all the poly boys was rocking their hair. Where maybe not only the poly boys, but just in my, in you know here in my area. What I seen around, all the boys was rocking just the hair on top and the shade, shade all the sides yeah. were shaved. You know, so I was growing my hair out that way. And I'll never forget my grandpa, who was Fife Al, rest in peace. Um, when my aunt braided my hair mm-hmm. and he seen that shit, that man was livid. He was he, hot. He was hot. <laughs> he was pissed. So I, I, he, he cut my hair the next day. You know what I mean? And and it just takes me back to thinking about this mindset, right? Like uh how how folks are, you know, molded and 
the traditional mindset. you know and the teachings that are taught right you know it's all more and I feel like maybe my grandpa came from something very similar to that especially because he went through theology and you know he got he became a reverend and everything right. got all the credentials so he's really upholding right you know these these values and so just to be able to relate because you know even for myself I don't identify as a fafafinge but like this experience took me back to that place of like, damn, I remember when my grandpa chopped my hair right? because, yeah. you know, I was growing that shit out and yeah. I always had to keep it short, mm. you know, but now definitely in my older years, you know, with all these readings too, it is very political mm. yeah. for me to grow my hair out. Mm. And I get hella compliments because I got <laughs> some good hair. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, oh. man, I know we done took up a lot of- We did. A lot of time, and as always, you know, we wish we could just go on and go on about all these great topics. We covered so much, but this is just a taste of the stories that are found in this book, you know? Just a taste. And uh, we really urge y'all to go out there and get it, get you a copy, because there's so much connected to to these stories. Right. yeah so shoot that's about our time y'all i know we gotta we gotta get up on out of here forgive us for the awkward silence but it's been a long long day Uh, yeah how you gonna take care of yourself for the rest of the week danny boy um i'm gonna enjoy the season the season i'm gonna enjoy the holiday season you know i'm gonna i got i'm taking some time off so that's how i'm taking care of myself is i'm taking time off this week Mm. and i'm gonna just the whole week uh not the whole week going back to work on friday but you know that's a checkout day anyway so (sighs) (laughs) but yeah gonna just take some vacation time and chill rest do things that need to get done yeah yeah that's how i'm gonna take care of myself how about you bex how you gonna take care of yourself i'm probably just gonna just do some last minute christmas shopping and just you know try to get some holiday festivities you know there's a lot of things happening in san jose christmas in the parks so i'm about to check that out hopefully with the family Ah, that's about it cool well before we get out of here are you okay how you doing how you feeling i'm feeling okay i think i think this book really kind of set me like at a probably a low-key emotional place. I think I had a mm. moment of thinking back to uh, Jean's story, and I just paused. That's probably why we had that awkward pause, because I had a moment mm. of, like, just her experience of being exposed, you know, with her family, of just the, the differences, all the difficulties. Actually, not differences, the difficulties in yeah. her family. I didn't yeah. really have too much difficulty, but... There was difficulty growing up and then difficulty understanding my sexuality and just, it's just, uh, it was just one of those things. It was probably like, I think she allowed me to unravel an emotional block when in my younger, in my younger age, Mm. cause I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what I. How I process this emotional block. Word. I mean, it's, you <laughs> Shit's know, coming up. Shit's coming to, to surface. To so. your point. To your point, it, this this is triggering. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I mean, do you feel triggered? Not not triggered in a bad way, but I feel... But something definitely has come up. Yeah. I, I, surface. Yeah. I, surface. If, yeah, I think something's something coming surface. to surface, but 
good a good thing. I feel like it was just I feel like she's given she's given me courage to finally unravel something Word. that I did not have the courage to unravel back then. So it's a it's a lot of things to process. We'll probably talk about that in our next episode. But yeah, it's tough to be courageous. I had a stuck thought. It was really stuck because I I was kind of living in a one of her experiences in the story. So yeah, word. <laughs> I hear you. You know it is it is the holiday, but yet you know we we still holding on to a lot of these things. Right. They're on the holiday, so we really got to take care of ourselves. And thank you just for being able to vocalize that because that's that's some real shit, you know. Yeah. And I'm here for you. You know, we thank get up out of here. Yeah. I'm gonna still be here for you. We gotta take care of each other through this shit. Because, yeah. You no, know, thank you. It's intense. <laughs> All right, y'all. Have a great, blessed rest of the week. Happy holidays. Happy holidays for real. From for the cultures. To Love yours. <laughs> From the cultures to yours. Happy holidays. Peace out. Love y'all. What are we doing it for? We're doing it for the culture. For the culture. For the culture.